0: Welcome to Preschool and Beyond, a podcast where we tackle some of the most common and the most challenging issues facing preschool age children and their families. Recording from Discovery Child Development Center is your host, Mike DeLod. and welcome to Episode 15 of Preschool and Beyond, Children and Pets. This summer, we added a dog to our family. We've talked about getting a dog for a while, but originally planned on waiting a little bit longer before adding another member to our family. Once we started looking, though, at pictures of dogs available for adoption, it was hard to resist. All three of the boys adore our dog, He's brought a lot of joy to our family. That said, owning a pet has been a lot of work, and there can definitely be additional challenges when you have a preschooler in the house, too. Today we have with us Dr. Eric Strunk. Dr. Strunk's a veterinarian and the owner of the Grace Park Animal Hospital here in Morrisville, North Carolina. Dr. Strunk and his wife Amy also manage a house full of children and pets, and he is vet to our dog gronk thanks for coming on today dr shrunk
1: happy to join you thanks for having me
0: so as i mentioned earlier at the start there are a lot of great things about having a pet for families with young children as a pet owner and as a vet what do you see as some of the biggest benefits
1: I think teaching young children how to care for other living things is a very valuable uh, life lesson uh, for them to learn. So having them helping out with with chores and taking care of of pets in the house and and learning you know how how pets can depend on us yes. um, is, is really valuable to learn and, and in turn that that teaches some some responsibility as well. So um, it's good for, like I said, children of all ages. And, and the benefits for, for us as people having pets in the house are, are great, too. Um, there have been a lot of studies that document lower stress levels in, in people that own pets and spend time um, um, with their dogs and cats. So I think it's it's good for families um, as well.
0: Great. Yeah, I've noticed with my kids, they don't necessarily, especially younger ones, might not notice Things in other kids as much, like he's having a hard time because he's hungry or he's tired. But with the dog, they're much, it's easier for them to see. I think he needs to go for a walk when he's running around the house crazy or, you know, he's looking around trying to get their food. Oh, I think he probably wants to be fed. So it definitely uh, can help build that empathy.
1: Absolutely. And easy, easy to pick up those, those signal cues.
0: Like yeah, definitely. They make it pretty clear. Uh, also that. I think one thing that we really like is it's just that constant companion too. When you're having a bad day, uh, it's you can always count on your dog to smile at you, to wag his tail at you. And I think my kids will maybe might not talk to an adult as much when they're upset, but sometimes you'll see them. They're just talking to the dog. <laughs> yep, they they are great listeners. Pets are
1: so that's another another thing. Time back to that stress relief when you've had a, a tough day or just need somebody to talk to. They're always there for you.
0: I know a lot of people who will kind of buy a pet on kind of an impulse. You know, they see this cute pet and they decide that, you know, the child really wants the pet. But it is something you should really think about because there are a lot of things that come with owning a pet. So what are some of the considerations uh, parents should think about before buying that pet?
1: Well, like you said, there there's a lot that goes against getting a pet as an impulse buy. Um, The the top concern is, is do we have time as a family for a pet? Because like you said, these, these guys take a lot of time to care for them appropriately. Um, So making sure that that your lifestyle matches with, with a pet would, would be a good first consideration. And and also what, what type of pet would be best for our lifestyle? If if you're a family that's traveling a lot and, and has long stretches of being gone, You know, a new puppy is probably not the best thing for you to get at that point. Um, Or if you're an active family... Um, do a lot of hiking and, and weekend activity, what type of dog would yep. be best you know, those kind of considerations you want to think about before you you get into it and, and certainly cost comes into mm-hmm. it as well, you know, to properly care for for a pet and go through the, you know, getting the right food and heartworm preventions and, yeah. and vaccines and everything else, there certainly are cost obligations there that um, you know, you need to carefully research and make yes. sure it fits in your, your family's budget as well.
0: Definitely, and think about yeah, what's going on at that moment Like, I don't know if I would have gotten at the same time we were potty training our son, you know, (laughs) potty training a dog and a child at the same time is very challenging. (laughs) So you really want to make sure you have that time you can dedicate to your pet because it is going to take, especially if it's something like a dog or a cat, it's going to take a little bit longer.
1: Absolutely.
0: So are there certain pets that generally you would recommend for... Uh, families that have preschool children, and others that you might avoid till and wait till the kids are older.
1: Nothing really specifically based on age, mm-hmm. because you see so many different personalities with dogs and with cats. That you know, it's more matching that individual yeah. personality with with what your family needs. Um, so it goes back to you know. Making sure you have time yeah. and, and putting the research in for, for the type of pet that you think would best match your family. Um, I think is, is the best bet, you know, rather than saying, okay, if we're, you know, right. this age, your dog's better, this age, your cat's better yeah. because of that individual variation from, from dog to dog and cat to cat. It's tough to make a, make a blanket recommendation, but, um, putting in that research to find that right temperament and right lifestyle.
0: Right. And those are definitely important to match up. I remember. We're looking at dogs. What I had in my head probably wasn't the best for our family. I really wanted a calm dog, and you know my dog. My dog is not calm, <laughs> uh, but I thought that might be you know a little bit lower energy. But all dogs, you know, they have a little description on the adoption sites, and the ones that very calm, uh, mellow dog there's often a little asterisk saying might not be good for families with young children. So the dogs that I wanted probably didn't want us (laughs) and may not have worked out well with my two-year-old jumping on them. (laughs) So when you're selecting a dog or a cat or another pet that might vary a lot by the breed, what are some of those factors to think about?
1: Well, we we can research breeds and we know a lot of breeds have very particular Predictable temperaments and behaviors. You know, you look at dogs like Golden Retrievers tend to be great family dogs. Um, They're just very compatible and they're loving and and you don't see a lot of aggression in these guys. But even that being said... Um there are exceptions to the rule so you know you can't say I'm going to go get a yeah, golden retriever no, yeah. and everything's going to be fine you still have to do the socialization and you know, I've seen aggressive golden retrievers too yeah. so it's not something that the breed is going to be a certainty for you um the thing I like to use the most are um places that temperament test their dogs. So you mentioned your adoption, um, your adoption place, you know, had kind of the temperament of the dog listed so they could match that with you. Um, a lot of rescue groups are doing that now. I know our, um, our local SPCA down here, SPCA of Wake County um, does an awesome job. They have an awesome behaviorist down there that um, really take a lot of time testing these dogs and finding out what their behaviors and personalities are like so that they can match those um, with, with families that that'll be a good fit and and things will work well. So finding somewhere that does that temperament testing so you can kind of match the dog's personality to your family is, is a really good thing.
0: Yeah. I know some of them also will, allow for a visit with that pet you know we it can be tough i know at that point i told my wife if we're gonna go see this dog we're probably gonna end up taking him home (laughs) and because at that point we weren't a 100 percent sure she's like he really has to be the perfect pet and you know i love Gronk, but you know he's digging up the uh the foster mom's yard and acting like a puppy and of course within five minutes we're like we'll take him (laughs) so it can be tough so you have to really make sure uh you're ready um so I know it, often the timing is not always – things aren't always planned the way you would like them to be. But if you do have that choice of the child first or the pet first, is there an order that usually is better?
1: Well, the, the good news is it can work both ways. <laughs> there there
0: are ways that you can, can make it work because,
1: like you said, a lot of times you, you don't plan the timing. Right. If you waited for the ideal perfect time to get a pet, you're so busy in your life all yeah. the time that sometimes that would, would never happen. So I've seen – Seeing it work well both ways. Um puppies and kittens are very adaptable. So if you get them at a young age, eight to twelve weeks, um, you know, they're still figuring things out and, and they're in that wide open socialization window where they can they can learn to adapt to right. Any size family, any number of kids, any age kids, and they'll, they'll learn as they go that, hey, this is normal and, and they feel, feel things out. So, you know, puppies and kittens work well both ways. Can be a little bit trickier bringing an adult dog or a cat in, especially with really young preschool age children, because if they're, that's something they're not used to. Yeah. It can be kind of scary and, and you have to definitely um, be more cognizant of, of, setting boundaries to make sure the the pet feels safe. Um, but, um, you know, the, the flip side of that is if, if you have the established dog or cat and then add a new baby or new child to the household, that can be a big stress on a pet as well. And there are some, some strategies and resources out there for that. But like yeah. I said, it can, it can definitely work both ways.
0: Great. So if you already have a child and you've decided to get that dog or that cat or other pet, are there things you can do before, even, before you even bring that? pet home to prepare your child to make sure that it's going to go as smooth as it can?
1: <laughs> Absolutely. And, and teaching is, is a very important thing that, that we can do for our kids to help them understand. So, you know, looking for resources on, you know, how to introduce dogs to kids yeah. and and you know appropriate behaviors with a dog versus right. inappropriate behaviors with a dog and making sure you go over that you know maybe multiple times <laughs> with your children before before that dog or cat comes into the house so they understand what's what's okay what's not okay so that when they're put in that situation you're not having to
0: diffuse any right. uh,
1: anything going wrong you know things are going to kind of get started Yeah
0: lay that groundwork as much as you can yeah. and kind of on the flip of that side of that In terms of, I know you can't have the same kind of conversation with your pet, but are there things that you can do to get your pet ready for children? You can kind of have that conversation.
1: It's just more more actions than words. So there are things you can do to help, especially with a new baby. I think the big thing is getting a dog that's used to being the center of attention, used to you paying attention to something else. So I've had people that will... Actually, in the last month or two of their pregnancy, carry around a baby doll okay. and just act like it's the baby and talk to it and pay attention to okay. it, pretend you're feeding it, um, all those kind of things so that your dog or cat can see you giving that attention to something else so that doesn't become a stark kind of new strange thing um, when the baby's there. Um, Sounds can be very um, upsetting, um, especially with dogs. We see a lot of dogs that hear babies crying for the first time and and it can be kind of a stressful thing. So, um, you know, they may... I used to tell people I make CDs of baby sounds. Now you, I'm sure you can download oh, yeah. um, um, Sound sound clips of babies crying and things like that. Playing that intermittently um, leading up to, to baby coming home can be helpful with some of those new noises that they're going to be exposed to as well.
0: So it sounds like it. maybe some of the things you would do if you're having another sibling join. Exactly. You know, if you're in the, yeah, yeah, just kind that of some the same conditioning
1: way. and preparing ahead of time can, yeah, it can make a big
0: difference. So... With our dog, our high energy dog and my son always you know, wanting to be around the dog. There are definitely, especially when we first brought the puppy home, concerns with safety. Uh, you know, some of the things that we've done, you know, we always try to have one of us there around the, and if we can't be, you know, we'll put the dog in the crate. Um, we also have a gate at the staircase. Uh, So we can kind of control where the dog is going. Any other recommendations to make sure that we have our preschoolers safe and the pets also safe? Because that also (laughs) yeah, and
1: that's that's definitely an important thing is to to make sure that if if you can't be paying active attention and actively supervising your child with your pet. That you have separate areas, and and for the pets especially, having that kind of safe area where they know, okay, if I don't feel like playing, I don't feel like being pet or approached. I can go here and, yep. and I can relax and, and you know go to sleep and not have to have, keep one eye open, so to speak. So having a crate they can go to, or an X pen, which is a you know a, an expandable uh, wall uh, open area that's a little bit bigger than a crate, or even their own room that's blocked by a baby gate, so that they know okay when I'm in here, this is my safe place and we're okay. And that's a great thing for parents to use as a tool. If, you know, you have to wash the dishes or get dinner started and yeah. you can't be watching what your child and dog are doing, knowing that they're apart and not going to be, um, you know, antagonizing one another, or, you know, playing inappropriately
0: yeah. or anything along those lines. And I think that's important, too, because even though you might be in the room washing the dishes or doing something else, these things can happen really quickly. You know, your child can suddenly decide that dogs like wants a chocolate bar you know he'll you know he really wants that or wants to play a game with a toy that is the dog will either destroy or it could be a hazard for the dog so you really have to be honest.
1: absolutely and there's, there's a big difference between yeah, active attention and active interaction versus passive attention and and Anytime that that your child and your your pet are together, you want to be actively supervising. um, And and if there's anything there to distract you, keeping them apart. Just so, like you said, it can only take an instant sometimes for, you know, to give the dog the wrong thing. Like you mentioned with the chocolate bar or for the child to pull an ear that the dog just doesn't like and we get a bite. And, um, you know, those can be devastating situations for sure.
0: If your family is having a hard time with the child and the pet getting along, working together, are there resources, places that they can reach out to to help?
1: Absolutely. And there, there are veterinary behavior specialists that can help in, in problem situations and, and ideally getting intervention early is is key you know especially with a young dog where some of these behaviors are still moldable and, and trainable can definitely help so a, a dog behaviorist or, or even a veterinary specialist in behavior um can help with that but uh, a lot of good online resources too um that i have um that i'll share at the at the end of the podcast oh, great the yeah we'll for put those. people to go and research um to, to get some more
0: information yeah that's great we'll put those on the show notes too so before we got our dog, my son was really scared of dogs. Even, like, the smallest dog, he was terrified of. So this is probably not good practice. We He was away with his grandparents that weekend when we visited the dog and decided to get our one of our other sons was with us. And nobody wanted to break the news to him. I, I asked my parents, like, could you tell him we got a dog? They're like, no way. That one's for you. So... You know, after a little little bit of time, now he probably loves the dog as much, if not more, than all of us. You know, he you know absolutely adores him. But if you're bringing home a pet that your child's scared of, or even if you're not getting a pet and you notice, you know, they seem really scared anytime a dog or a cat or whatever animal they're scared of, other certain strategies. Parents, uh, pet owners, and other parents can use to help with that.
1: Yeah, definitely, and it is in general, you know, a good idea to, you know, address those fears early on. And, and some, you know, work great for you guys with <laughs> Drunk and, and getting getting acclimation. And for a lot of kids, it's just an unfamiliarity that they don't know a lot about dogs, or maybe they've seen something on TV that has them scared. But um, but that that introduction should be. It, definitely an active process where we say, okay, we want to get a dog, but yeah. our son's afraid. Okay. What steps can we take to help him be more comfortable yeah. before we do that? So an active process. If you have friends that have dogs that, you know, very friendly, not one that's going to be real yeah. crazy and bouncy and, and jump all over you. Um, just set up some positive interactions with, with your child and some dogs with if you have friends or yeah. even, you know, local shelters, like you mentioned before, they have time where you can go. Visit with dogs for adoption, that sort of thing, you know, that can be a good resource to use, um, to, to try and get some of that familiarity and, and ease some of that anxiety that they might be having about, uh, being introduced to, to a dog in the house and, and just kind of starting slow and gradually, uh, working forward yeah. from there is a
0: big key. Yeah. And we did do so. We he wasn't just we didn't just blindly bring it home like I made it sound. We, we, yeah, uh, up, up there we had my parents. Had, my cousin had dogs, so they went over there a few times, and we had talked about it too. And you know he had objected. Don't get me wrong, but <laughs> it wasn't a complete shock to him because we did tell him that we were thinking about getting picture, one picture. and showed him picture videos of the dog before. Like, isn't this a great dog? He's like, I don't want it. <laughs> he actually saw him before, but uh, he changed his tune though, right? Yeah. So, uh, one thing we talk about here is getting children more independent, involved in household responsibilities at an early age. Um, are there ways that they can help with pet chores and?
1: Absolutely. And I think it's a great way to teach children responsibility. Like we talked about at the beginning, that's one of the great benefits of, of having pets in the family is, is, uh, helping our kids learn responsibility. So. Um, assisting with feeding, doing some of the cleanup for, for dogs and cats, uh, some of the basic grooming. Um, our kids can get involved in that. I have a seven year old daughter who brushes our dog's teeth every night. That's one of oh, her chores. Wow. Oh, she does the, the teeth. They can do that? All right. right.
0: Good to know because I'm scared so. to do it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so my wife and I, with how busy we are, yeah. we found we weren't as, um, as good as we should be with with doing that on on time and, and sticking to a regular schedule. So we assign that as a, a chore to, to Lily and she does a great job of, of doing
0: that every day and keeps our dog's teeth
1: nice and healthy. So
0: it works out great. Great. And my kids aren't quite ready with my dog's energy to take the dog for a walk themselves, but, you know, like supervising the backyard, I've had them hold the leash and just coming on the walks too, besides um, helping with responsibility to eventually training them for that just i think having dogs made us more active you know the kids um they don't always come on the walk but a lot of times they will come and it's fun for everyone uh you know sometimes we'll go to a park all together um kids love it dogs happy it's a win-win yeah
1: and everybody everybody benefits like you said you get get more active yourself just just having that that dog
0: in the house so on a guess less happy note uh For many children, this can, you will have to deal at some point with the loss of a pet. And, you know, sometimes it's at a preschool age, sometimes it's a lot later. Uh, How do you recommend parents talk to kids, especially preschool age children about the loss of a pet?
1: It it is a a very hard thing to go through and and especially nowadays with that's being such a family yes. member, and ingrained part of the family. It can be really hard for someone so young to to understand um, death fully. But I've I've found that, that honesty really is always the best policy, and um, you know just just be honest with your your children and and tell them exactly what's going on, and and um, it'll help them be able to uh, to grieve and cope. Um, I've found that that really young children, probably about five or under. Um, they, they bounce back pretty quickly, right. In my own experience, you know, my kids when they were when they were that young, you know they are they very, very sad. But within a day, they're asking, "Okay, can we get a new dog? Can we get a new cat?" And and they they seem to be able to, to process and and move on. But it's okay, even in the older kids, to have those longer periods of grieving, grieving, right. you know, a process. And we don't want to push people through that, even young kids, before they're ready. Uh, but being honest with them with what has happened so that they can understand it.
0: Right. That is, is the dog's the not coming back tomorrow, and yeah. you know, but there's yeah. nothing that they did to contribute yeah. that. And and also. If, We're going to be upset during that time. Let them know I'm feeling this. I'm sad because of, you know, teaching them that language, that vocabulary, expressing feelings are all great, healthy skills for kids to learn.
1: Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. So on a happier note, um, so when... Families are just beginning that journey. They've just come home with that new pet. What's the one piece of advice uh, you would give?
1: Yeah, I think my one piece of advice is even before you get to that point where you bring them home is, is take your time. You know, put that research in like we spoke about before. Research your lifestyle, what kind of pet will be best for you and your family and explore those options and and not adding a pet Uh, as an impulse, you know, just making, making sure that you understand how that, that pet will fit in as a member of your family and choosing the right pet for your lifestyle, I think is a a key thing because if you start off with a bad foundation, it's going to be really hard moving forward. But if you get a good foundation and a good match for your family, You're going to set yourself up
0: for success for sure. No, no, That's great advice. I mean, it might take a little bit longer to find that right pet, but don't rush it. It, In the long run, it's going to be a much better experience for the pet as well as for the family if you get that right pet that's going to fit in with that lifestyle. So that brings us to our final section of our podcast, the show and tell segment where our guests will share either a recommendation or a tip. Or suggestion. Um, So, Dr. Strunk, do you have a recommendation for us?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And we had talked earlier about um, resources for introducing um, dogs to children or children to dogs. Um, There's a really great website that I've been introduced recently. Um, It's called familypaws.com. It's P A W S. And that is a a group that's actually here locally based out of Cary, but a lot of good instructional videos and and tips and blogs on introduction uh, to, you know, really young babies, older kids, toddlers, um, and just a lot of good information there. So I would highly recommend that. Um, other, other thing I like to recommend is training classes, especially for young puppies. Um, you know, getting these guys out and socialized and learning good behaviors is a key component to helping make sure that, that they're going to be a good, good part of the family. Um, we do have a training program through our hospital. Promote us a little yeah. bit. No, it's, it's great. I'm I did a,
0: uh, we took Grunk there yeah. and it was really, really helpful. Uh, you know, um, Sue was, was awesome. Yeah.
1: Sue, our trainer does a wonderful job. She does puppy training. She she does adult classes as well and and even um, can do some one-on-one consultation. so if you already have that pet and there's there's that one behavior that uh is that you're just having a hard time working with um you know she can definitely help with that so we're we're happy to have you know behavior as as part of what we offer there at the at the animal hospital so
0: excellent all right and we'll uh, link to uh, Grace Park Animal Hospital as well and to the other resources we mentioned uh, so thank you so much, Dr. Strunk, for coming on today.
1: Thank you for having me. I
0: enjoyed it. You can find links to what we talked about on our show page, discoverychilddevelopmentcenter.com, on Facebook at facebook.com slash beyond. And if you find the show helpful and you haven't left a review yet, please consider leaving us a rating and review in iTunes. Thanks for listening this week, and we'll see you next week.